That's it. That was your cue. What was my cue? That right there. You're supposed to say, Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. That's right. Then you say, Myths from Around the World. Myths from Around the World. Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast. A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared. Everything will be all right, trust me. This is a continuation from the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022. Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. I am your host, Jay Langjans. I'm going to uh, interject myself into the podcast. Uh, We're going to stay away from the boys for this week. This is the first official After the Dog Days podcast. Uh, I'm going to be completing... Aladdin and his wonderful lamp. If you are just catching up now, you're just catching this episode, you missed the dog days, you don't know what the dog days are, well, don't worry. You just have to go back to the stuff that I posted back in August, for the entire month of August. Um, and in this particular case, you probably want to go back eight episodes, nine episodes, and then you'll catch the first episode of Aladdin and his wonderful lamp, and then you can follow along. I did those uh, one a day for the whole month of August, and... Uh, Ended up with a bunch of material at the end, and we're going to just podcast it. So this is part nine of Aladdin and His Wonderful Lamp. It's going to be much longer than what I previously posted uh, during the dog days. Because those ones, I was trying to keep them around five to ten minutes long. Um, And uh, I don't have that situation now. Because uh, there aren't a bunch of people who are forced to listen because they're trying to complete the challenge of listening to every podcaster podcasting during the dog days of podcasting. Uh, you'll notice that uh, I still acknowledge it both in the intro and the outro. Truth be told, outro music, I made it at the beginning of August, recorded it, uh, put the bumper information into it, made it a song mp3 and imported it from itunes back um, now what they call music back into GarageBand. so i don't actually have the copy of that because i forgot to save it and uh, there's so many things going on in that one so many different instruments that i incorporated in that one i just can't get the same sound back so i just left that one as it is but fortunately the intro music i was uh able to do it uh i may change that we'll see I didn't get any suggestions on length for podcasts except from Sonia, who listened. Uh, and this one's going to be a little shorter than what she suggested. She suggested between 45 minutes and an hour. I cut this one off so that we kind of have um, sections. Because uh, the story doesn't have chapters, per se. Um, it, it is it is separated in the, in the Glutenberg paper uh, by photos. And uh, this one's pretty close to one of those photos. And it is a change in direction. For the, excuse me, for the story, it, it progresses. Anyway, so all of that being said, I am proud to present Aladdin and his wonderful lamp, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope you keep listening. From all of us here at Masterpiece Audio Theatre, sit down by the fire and enjoy this wonderful tale. Aladdin made a gesture of impatience at his mother's view of the matter. 
on my head and eye, he said angrily. Thou art my mother. Thou art very lacking in sense. I put it to you. What man living, yea, even though he be the sultan, would refuse to grant thy request when thou comest to him with the price of more than half his kingdom? Nay, my mother, for such thou art, thou art surely deficient in wisdom. And he took up the bowl of glittering jewels and weighed the chances of them in his hand. But his mother, silenced as she was with his shrewd words, was terrified at the prospect of her visit to the sultan, and still went on raising difficulties. Haply, O oh my son, he will be pleased to see me because of the gift. But what if he say to me, Who is this thy son, who seeketh the hand of my daughter? What is his condition and state of life? How can he ask thee that, answered Aladdin, when the jewels in the bowl are crying out my state and my condition? Such a thing will never happen except in thy mind. Do thou now arise and go to him, for I will no longer listen to these fanciful excuses. Nay, nay, my son, she cried, seeing there was no withdrawing from her promise. I will go, but give me till the morning to strengthen and prepare myself. So Aladdin curbed his impatience and agreed to wait until the following day. But, since he realized that it was not impossible that the project might fail, and that he might have to seek the slave of the lamp for advice on help and difficulty, he spoke to his mother on the matter. Oh, my mother, he said, it was the condition of thy promise that I should not invoke the slave of the lamp for the furtherance of my desire. Yet it must be understood between us that if thou make a blunder, which thou needest not to do, then to extricate us from a dire calamity, I am free to rub the lamp and see what its slave can do for our salvation. His mother assented to this, for she knew if she failed with the sultan, all was lost, and in such case even the aid of a demon would be acceptable. Then, said Aladdin, See thou to it, that in thy gossip to our neighbors, not a word of the lamp escape thy lips, for if this wonderful possession of ours become known, it will speedily pass out of our hands and its virtues with it. Therefore, keep thy counsel, O my mother, and babble not of our secret. Fear nothing, my son, she replied. The lamp is our peculiar possession, and no word shall pass my lips concerning it. And they cease not to talk of their project, and the saving powers of the lamp, far into the night. When morning dawned, Aladdin's mother arose and prepared herself for the visit to the palace, and, wrapping the bowl of jewels in a cloth, went forth early. When she arrived at the palace, she found herself among the first there assembled, and at once fell to watching the princes and nobles and high officials as they came in. When the audience was full, the sultan came in and seated himself on the royal divan. All bowed down before him, and then stood waiting with folded arms for his permission to be seated. And when he gave permission, all sat down in their due order of precedence. Then he listened to their petitions in the same order and gave his decision until the hour grew late and the audience was declared closed. The sultan arose and went into the palace, and the princes with the nobles and the people went their way. Among them went Aladdin's mother, thinking to herself that this would be a matter of many days. She hastened home to Aladdin, who, when he saw her with the bowl of jewels just as when she departed, cried, What is this? Oh, my mother, hath he refused the jewels, and thy head is still on thy shoulders? Nay, my son, she replied, be patient. There were many before me, and I had no opportunity. 
and she told him how she had gained a place in the audience and how it was only a matter of waiting till her turn came to place her petition before the Sultan, perchance tomorrow or the next day. Aladdin was overjoyed at this hand. Though his exceeding love for the princess probed him sore, yet he resolved to possess his soul in patience against the fulfillment of his desire. But what he momentarily expected was hourly delayed, and from that time forth the daily postponement of his request added fuel to the flame of love in his heart. For on the following morning his mother set forth again for the palace and returned again in the evening, but one day nearer to the putting of her petition. And every day thereafter she stood in the audience with the bowl of jewels under her arm and heard the petitions, but dared not for very timidity address the sultan. And in this way she continued for a whole month, while the latter was nursing his impatient soul and waiting on the issue. Now the sultan, being observant, had noticed the woman present herself constantly at the levee, and at length one day, after the audience had dispersed and the sultan had retired with his grand vizier, he said to him, Hearken, O vizier, for many days I have seen an old woman at the levee, and on each occasion she has carried a bundle under her arm. Knowest thou aught of her? And the vizier, who had little esteem for women, replied, Doubtless a woman, like other women, O our lord, maybe she cometh with a deadly grievance against her husband, whom she desire to be beheaded, and, when thou grantest her desire, she'll plead for his life, supplicating thee with tears, for such was ever their way. But the sultan was curious about the woman and her silent persistence, and was not satisfied to dismiss the matter so easily. So he commanded the vizier to see to it that, should the woman present herself again, she be instantly brought before him. And so it came about. Aladdin's mother, though weary with her many attendances, still preserved in her quest, feeling that, for the sake of her son, she would endure all delay so that the issue might come at last. And it came, according to the sultan's command, to the grand vizier. For one day the sultan saw her waiting in the audience chamber, and ordered the vizier to bring her forward that he might consider her a fire. Now, at last, she was face to face with the sultan, making obeisance to him and kissing the ground at his feet. I have seen thee here, O woman, for many days, said the sultan, and though and thou hast not approached me, and thou hast not approached me. If thou hast a wish that I can grant, lay it before me. At this, she kissed the ground again and prayed fervently for the prolonging of his life. Then she said, O king of the ages, I have a request, but peace be unto thee, it is a strange one. Wherefore I claim thy clemency before I state it. These words whetted the sultan's curiosity, and he was a man of great gentleness. He spoke to her softly in reply, and not only assured her of his clemency, but ordered all others present to withdraw, saving only the Grand Vizier, so that he might hear her petition in secret. Now, woman, said the sultan, turning to her, make thy petition, and the peace of protection of God be on thee. Thy forgiveness also, O king, she said. God forgive thee if there ought to forgive. He replied, and at this Aladdin's mother unfolded the tale of her son's exceeding love for Bedr el Badur, the sultan's daughter, how, how life had become intolerable to him because of this, and how his only thought was to win the lady Bedr el Badur for his wife, or die either of grief or by the sultan's anger. Wherefore his life being in the balance in any case, 
she had come as a last resort to beg the sultan to bestow his daughter on her son. And she concluded by beseeching the sultan not to punish either her or her son for this unparalleled hardihood. The sultan looked at the grand vizier, whose face was of stone. For the lady Bedrail Badur had already been promised to his son, a matter well understood between them. What sayest thou? said the sultan, regarding him with a merriment in his eyes. But the grand vizier only cast a contemptuous look at Aladdin's mother, and answered him, O king of the age, thou knowest how to deal with this petition. At this, the sultan laughed outright, and, turning a kindly face to the humble supplicant, observed her minutely. What is that bundle thou hast under thine arm? He said at last, remembering that she brought it with her on every occasion. Aladdin's mother, greatly relieved to see the sultan laughing, unfolded the wrappings of the bowl and handed it to him. As soon as he took it in his hands and saw the size and the splendid sparkle of the jewels, the sultan laughed no longer, but gazed at them speechless with wonder and admiration. Then at length he handed the bowl to the grand vizier, saying, Upon my oath, this is a marvelous thing. Tell me, O vizier, have I in my treasury a single jewel that will compare with even the smallest of these? The grand vizier is also taken aback by their dazzling loveliness and beauty. He would have lied, saying they were glass or crystal, but the stones themselves flashed back the proposed lie in his teeth. All he could reply was, Never, O my lord the king, have I beheld the like of these, nor is there one in thy treasury that could equal the beauty of the smallest of them. And, saying this, the vizier turned very pale, for neither he nor his son could approach the sultan with such a gift. And it was as he had feared, and Aladdin had prophesied. The sultan required to know nothing further than what was before him in the bowl, for it was evident that the giver of these rare jewels must take precedent of all others, since if they were sold in the market, their price would buy a dozen grand viziers and their sons, to say nothing of princes and nobles with their palaces and all. Indeed, as the vizier readily saw, the worth of the precious stones might equal the worth of the sultan's kingdom. And this caused his knees to quake, for he quickly concluded within his mind that there was more behind this thing than what the eye beheld. Perchance the old woman's story was but the curtain that concealed a richer treasury than the Cathay had ever heard of. Uvazir, said the sultan in dry and chilling tones, it seemeth that in this land there are men greater than the greatest. What sayest thou? The man who sends me this kingly gift cannot conceal his greatness and worthiness behind the thin, loose yarn spun by his messenger here. That he is worthy of my daughter is clearly proved, overseer. And I, the sultan, king of the age, having the power over all men, do withdraw my former promise to thee to bestow her upon thy son. Bedra el the one beautiful jewel in the treasury of my heart, is my gift in return to the man who has sent me these priceless jewels. The Grand Vizier bit his lip and pondered a while. Then he spoke. Peace be on thee, O king of all the earth. But is not thy promise worth most of all? Thou didst pledge me thy daughter for my son, and with that pledge I went, thinking that the whole earth and all therein were not in its value. Wherefore, O king, I pray that thou wilt allow this matter time, 
if thou wilt pledge this foster mother of a prince that thou wilt comply with her request in three months' time, then it seemed to me by so doing thou wilt cement the good feeling and loosen the gifts of all parties concerned. And in the meantime, yea, I have good reason for saying it. There will come up before thee, O king of the age, a gift compared to which this thou hast seen but is droz. The sultan weighed the grand vizier's words in his mind and concluded that it would be best for all concerned to accept the gift from Aladdin's mother and to grant her son's wish, but at the same time to facilitate the grand vizier by imposing a three-month stay of nuptials. Accordingly, he said to the woman, Tell thy son that he hath my royal assent, and that I will give him my daughter in marriage, but... As every woman knows, these things cannot be hastened, for there are garments and necessaries to be prepared. Wherefore thy son, on whom be peace, must abide in patience for, let us say, three months. At the end of that time, he may approach me for the fulfillment of my promise. Satisfied with this, Aladdin's mother thanked and blessed the sultan, and buoyed up with a burden of delight, almost flew back to her house. There, Aladdin was awaiting for her, and when he saw her hastening and noticed that she had returned without the bowl of jewels, his heart rose high to meet her. Hath the sultan considered my request? he cried as she came in panting. Hath he accepted the jewels? Tell me that only, and I know the rest without a movement of thy tongue. And his mother, whose hasty condition had already answered all his questions, answered them still further with, Yay, yay, yay. Then she related him the details of the interview, laying stress upon the fact that, although the sultan had been moved at the sight of the jewels to make immediate arrangements for marriage, a private word from the grand vizier had led him to delay the ceremony for three months. Take heed, my son, she concluded. The grand vizier hath a motive for his counsel of delay. He is thine enemy. I saw it in his face. Beware of him. Aladdin was greatly relieved by her news. He felt like one jerked out of the grave, and where the sultan was favorable to his suit, he was in no mood to fear a grand vizier. Nay, nay, he said, the jewels have the eye of the sultan more than the grand vizier hath his ear. Fear nothing, O my mother, the sultan's word is good, and I rest content to wait, though I know not how such a long time as three months can be got into the calendar. Two of these long, weary months went by, and Aladdin nursed his soul in patience. Then a thing happened which gave him seriously to think. On a day in the first week of the third month, his mother went forth into the marketplace about sunset to buy oil, and she saw that all the shops were closed, and the people were adorning their windows with bright garlands as if for some festivity. She wondered greatly at this, thinking the sultan had either changed his birthday or that another child had been born to him. Yet she had gleaned nothing of any great event from the gossip of her neighbors. Having, after much difficulty, found an oil shop open, she bought her oil and questioned the man. Uncle, she said, what is abroad in the city that the people close their shops and place candles and garlands in their windows? Thou art evidently a stranger, replied the man. Nay, I am of this city, she said. Then thou must clean thine ears, he retorted. Hast thou not heard that the Grand Vizier's son is to take himself this evening, the beautiful Bedra el Mature? Surely, woman, thou hast been sleeping all day on thine ears, for the news went abroad early this morning 
The vizier's son is at the Hamal, and these soldiers and officials you see in the streets are waiting to escort him to the palace. And look you, you are fortunate to get oil today, for all those who purvey oil to the grand vizier and his household have closed their shops as a mark of respect. On hearing this, Aladdin's mother was so distressed that her knees shook and she walked away without replying, even forgetting to pay for the oil. But the man speedily called her back and reminded her that, though the Grand Vizier had never given him an order, she had, and the price of the oil was such and such. In confusion of face, she paid him and then hurried away, the oil man looking after her and wondering what matter of woman was this. Had he known all, he might have wondered more, or ceased to wonder. And meanwhile, Aladdin's mother went home in a state of great consternation. Though her feet hastened, her heart lagged behind her, for she knew not how to tell her son the terrible news. She was afraid that after his joy at the Sultan's promise and his patient waiting, this blow would send him from his mind. Then she contrived it in her thoughts that it was best to provoke her son's anger against the Sultan rather than his grief at the loss of Bedrail Badur. Accordingly, as soon as she entered the house and found him sitting thinking, as was his wont of late, she said, Oh, my son, who could put trust in a king? When I went to buy oil, I found that the sultan had proclaimed a holiday, and all the shops were closed except one. Tush! There is no faith in the sultans. How now, oh, my mother, answered Aladdin, pleasing her loud voice. With the sultan and the grand vizier, hush! What ails thee? Thy hand is a tremble. And she answered him, Oh, my son, there is no faith nor trust but in God. Say I not to thee that the Grand Vizier was thine enemy? Out on him and the Sultan, for their word is not but hot wind, and there is no faith in the promise of a king. I see by thy face in thy speech, said Aladdin, that thou hast some bad news. What is it, O oh, my mother? Then his mother told how the sultan had violated his covenant, and how the marriage of the lady Bedr al-Badur to the grand vizier's son was taking place that very evening. For this, she heaped abuse upon the grand vizier, saying that it was only the worst of men that could so lead the sultan to break his promise. When she had told all and Aladdin understood how the matter lay, he arose more in anger than in grief, and cried out against the grand vizier, and cursed all the parties concerned in the affair. But presently he remembered that, when all seemed lost, he still had the lamp, and that was something in time of trouble and difficulty. So he suddenly restrained his speech, and fell to thinking what manner of death the vizier's son should die. His mother, seeing him in better spirits, questioned him. What now, O oh my son? she said. Is thy bitterness of feeling gone? What gift wilt thou send to the wedded pair? Peradventure another bowl of jewels? She spoke mockingly, for she wanted him to spend his wrath and save his reason. Nay, oh, my mother, replied Aladdin lightly, they are not wedded yet, and on my head and eye, verily it is not every knot that holds. With this, he arose and retired to his own chamber, where he brought out the lamp. Then, having considered well the matter of his wish, he rubbed it. Immediately, the Afrit stepped out of the unseen and stood before him, saying, Thou hast invoked me. What is thy desire? I am the slave of the lamp in thy hand, and I am here to do thy bidding. And Aladdin answered, No, O slave of the lamp, that the sultan promised me his daughter for my wife, but he has broken his word, 
and this night she is to be united with the Grand Vizier's son. Wherefore I wish that, as soon as the pair retire, thou should take them up with the couch whereupon they lie, and bring them hither to me. I hear and obey, said the slave of the lamp, and immediately vanished. Aladdin waited expectantly for some time, for he guessed that the moment would not be long delayed when the wedded pair would retire from the ceremonies. And his guess was right, for when he had waited a little longer, suddenly a cold blast of air swept through the chamber. The wall opened, and there appeared the Afrit, bearing in his arms the wedded pair upon the nuptial couch. They had been transported in the twinkling of an eye, and when the Afrit had set the couch down at Aladdin's feet, they were both stupefied with astonishment at this proceeding. Take that scurvy thief, said Aladdin to the Afrit, pointing at the vizier's son, and bind him and lodge him in the wood closet for the night. And the Afrit did so. He took up the vizier's son in one hand, and, reaching with another for cords, drew them from the invisible, and bound the miscreant securely. And he placed him in a wooden closet, and blew an icy blast upon him to comfort him. Returning to Aladdin, he said, It is done, O master of the lamp. Is there aught thou dost desire? Not with this, replied Aladdin. In the morning, when the sultan is proceeding towards their chamber to wish them long life and happiness, convey them back thither in a state of sleep, so that the sultan's knock at the door may wake them. I will obey, said the Afrit, and in a moment the air closed over him and he was gone. And Aladdin smiled to himself to think that this thing had been done. Then he turned to the Lady Bedra el who was sitting weeping on the couch. Oh, lovely one, he said, weep not, for I would not hurt one hair on thy head, nor sully thine honor in any way. Know that I love thee too much to harm thee, but since thy father the sultan promised me thee, and has violated his words, I am determined that none other shall call thee his. Rest in peace, lovely lady, for neither am I thy husband, nor the thief of thy husband's honor. Wherefore weep not, but rest in peace. So saying, he took a sword that hung on the wall of his chamber, and having placed it by her side in a token of security, he stretched himself upon the couch, so that they lay with the sword between them. Thus they passed the night. The sultan's daughter wept the longer the night throughout, and Aladdin could not close his eyes for thinking of his unfortunate rival's condition in the wood closet. Towards the morning, Bedr el-Badur, utterly exhausted with weeping, fell asleep. And, as Aladdin gazed upon her, he saw that indeed her loveliness was rare, and the more he gazed, the more he thought of the unhappy fate of the vizier's son. Never was a man so badly treated as to be bound fast on his wedding night, and laid in a wooden cellar in deadly fear of the dreadful apparition that had placed him there. In the morning, while Bedr el-Badur still slept, the slave of the lamp appeared according to Aladdin's command. Oh, my master, he said, the sultan hath left his couch and is about to knock at the door of the bridal chamber. I am here to perform thy bidding on the instant. So be it, answered Aladdin, convey them together on the couch back to their palace. And scarcely had he spoken when the Afrit vanished and reappeared with the vizier's son, whom he quickly unbound and laid upon the couch beside the sleeping Bedr el-Badur. Then lifting the couch with the two upon it, he vanished, and Aladdin knew that before the sultan had knocked at the door of the bridal chamber, everything would be as it had been. Everything? No, not everything. For the lady Bedr el-Badur must awake, as from a terrible nightmare, and as for the vizier's son, would he sing a song to the sultan about spending the night in a wooden closet? 
Aladdin pondered over this and decided that nothing less than a repetition of the affair would wring the truth from either of them. At this moment, the sultan knocked at the door of the bridal chamber in the palace, and the vizier's son, still gold from the wooden closet, arose and opened to him. Studios presentation of the Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlas.org, or you can email us at j at jglangjams.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 unported license. Thanks for joining us.